you are, if you are a perfectionist, have perfectionist tendencies in some areas, or you have the misfortune of living with one, some of these attitudes or beliefs will sound familiar. Everything is either right or wrong, good or bad, there's no in-between. I can always work harder. It's never quite right. There's a certain way to do things, and if they aren't done my way, disaster will happen. Nobody else can do it correctly. Journey, schmerny, it's all about the end result. There's always something wrong somewhere. If I don't achieve my goals, I am dirt. If you can't win, don't try. Now we know these statements are total lies. We see them for what they are when we see them come or hear them come from someone else. But when they're emanating from within one's own skull, they can be seductive. They seem so true. Of course, they're disastrous for our well-being, and they impact our relationship with God. Because when we, or those, perhaps those we love, believe statements like these, then we or they believe that we ought to be God, or at least God-like in our abilities, that we ought to be perfect, that we need to be more than human. And when we fail in our attempts to be divine, we often feel like failures. If you're not a perfectionist, you might be wondering, what's wrong with these people's brains, number one? And number two, can we put them on their own little island away from the rest of us? I can only reply that most of us, I guess, are subject to some kind of perfectionistic thinking at some point. Have you ever felt that if you weren't vigilant about something, things would go disastrously wrong? Have you ever been in the situation where you thought that if you couldn't do it right, you shouldn't even try, or that the world was on your shoulders? Is there an ideal standard you measure yourself by, or your spouse by, or your children by, or your congregation by. All of that can lead into perfectionistic thinking, unrealistic standards, and great disappointment. We need help letting the world go. Genesis 1. Genesis 1 and 2 here at the beginning, uh, 2, 1 to 3, 2, 1 to 4 actually, is a great epic, almost certainly composed for worship. It's a song, it's a hymn. It was composed during the time of the exile in Babylon. And during that time, many of the exiles were pressured to assimilate to Babylonian ways, to their worship, to their customs, to their culture. Genesis 1 is a resounding no to Babylonian theology with its pantheon of warring, anxious deities. Human beings were created as slaves for the gods in Babylonian theology, which conveniently were embodied by the Babylonian ruling elite. Funny how that always works, that power finds a way to justify itself. There was no inherent worth for the human, or indeed for the rest of creation. Marduk and his representative, the king, were at the top, the rest of the peons were at the bottom. In contrast, Genesis 1 reveals a God invested 
with all authority and power. This God does not create through violence. This God does not contend with other deities for power or status. This God is utterly free from our ways of thinking and doing. This God creates by speaking. This God declares everything to be good. And just to drive the point home, when it comes to humans, God declares them to be very good, created in his own image. And in a great mystery, God rests on the seventh day. This God is not anxious about his creation. God doesn't think that everything will just fall apart if he isn't constantly doing something, like so many of us are prone to thinking. This God ceases from work on that first Sabbath and puts the capstone on creation itself, rest. Rest is embedded in creation's fabric. Rest is not a luxury. It is neither frivolous nor wasteful. Rest is necessary. Being part of God's beloved community means taking time for rest. It means taking that time to pray and to play. I don't think I've heard a better explanation of the Sabbath rest than time for praying and playing. means taking time to simply be God's own creature without further expectations. Rest liberates us from a time, for a time, from our need to be busy. Jesus knows this. During his farewell discourse with his disciples, Jesus urges them to abide in his love. The word for abide also means to remain, to stay, to not do, just stay, remain, abide. Abiding in Jesus' love is the opposite of busyness. By remaining in Jesus' love, we remember who we are and what we were created to be. We were created to be effective or efficient or to pull our own weight, as valuable as those things might be. We weren't created to be merely obedient workers. We were created to be stewards for God, not slaves. The word there in uh, the gospel that's translated servant, the word is actually the word for slave. We're, we're, we are created to be friends, not hired help. And the difference, and the thing that always distinguishes the steward from the slave or the friend from the worker is that the boss lets his friends in on the plan. The slave doesn't know what the master is doing, Jesus says. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. We are friends of God. Given a sacred calling as God's friends and stewards, liberated from our busyness, our anxieties, and our need to be perfect. We're liberated from holding ourselves to a higher standard. We're liberated from holding ourselves to a higher standard than God holds himself to. 
We can be the people God made us to be, a free people, a people who know who they are and why they were created. People who, by virtue of their creation, take time to both work and to rest. When by the Spirit's power we obey Jesus' commands, especially his command to love, we also obey the command to rest and to let others rest too. We honor this part of creation, its capstone. So let's remember, we're friends of God, not just workers for God. We're stewards, not slaves. We're human, not temporarily frustrated deities. When we remember these things, we remember to let the world go. God's got it all in his hands. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to let go of the world and of our destructive expectations for ourselves and others. By your Spirit, give us faith that everything is in your hands. Help us to honor your command to rest. In Jesus' name, amen.